But what kills a lot of startups is they're building a product in search of a problem. So first off, let's get that right. Let's get product market fit because you can't sprinkle good marketing on a bad product. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Tech Your Business podcast. Today, as usual, is not a solo episode. Today is a guest episode. So we have a guest on the show to share their experience, their insights, and also how tech has helped them grow their business. Today, we have on the show, Brian Clayton. Brian is a successful entrepreneur and he's the co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online platform that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. So essentially, the interesting part of it is that GreenPal is entirely bootstrapped. That's the first part. The second part is that GreenPal has over 200,000 active users and they complete thousands of transactions every day. Remember I said bootstraps. So that's the second part. The third part is that the company has been profitable from the first year of operation. And as of 2021, it has been reported to be doing over $30 million a year in revenue, which is a remarkable achievement and which is something I would like to ask Brian a couple of questions on. So with your business, you can do the same because at the end of the day, we see when a business is funded externally, a lot of the time it ends up losing its soul. It ends up losing the touch of the initial founders and all that. So today, Brian would share with us how to market on a budget, how to grow on a budget, and also how to scale. So welcome to the show, Brian. Peter, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Great introduction. <laughs> Thank you. So can you tell us a bit about you and about GreenPal? Yeah, so uh, I am CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is a mobile app, like you mentioned, that is like the Uber for lawn mowing services in the United States. So if you're a homeowner and need to get yard maintenance services, rather than having to call around on Craigslist or Facebook or friends and family or something like that. You just download GreenPal, you pop your address in, you get two or three quotes back, and then you can hire a good lawn mowing service to take care of the chore for you. GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success in the United States. My two co-founders and I started the business about 10 years ago, and we've been grinding on it ever since. And and uh, little by little, we've grown it to around 300,000 people using the app to get their lawn mowed. And, uh, and and self-funded, like you mentioned, uh, we've grown it to now over $30 million a year in revenue just, just off of its own revenues. So uh, it's been a long road. Uh, the first three or four years were, were kind of challenging, but we just stuck it out and celebrated little small wins along the way. And now we, we have the, the, the largest network of lawn care services in the United States that you can hire from your smartphone. Mm, nice. So you talked about challenges. What sort of challenges did you have at the start? Yeah, you know, a lot of things that I didn't uh, foresee. Uh, so just a little bit of context. <clears throat> My first business was actually a lawn mowing business. I started mowing grass in, in high school as a way to make extra cash and stuck with that lawn mowing business little by little. Uh, and over a 15-year period of time, built that up into a, a real company, around 150 mm-hmm. employees. Ended up getting that business over $10 million a year in revenue, and then I sold it. Uh, so I sold it in 2013. It was acquired by a national company. And I took some time off and did some self-reflecting and realized that I wanted to, to take another swing at the plate. I wanted to uh, start a new thing. And I thought, well, why couldn't I start a tech company? Um, 
you know, I, it looks so easy in the movie, the social network. Why can't I do that? And, and so, uh, it was kind of naivete <clears throat> naivete is an asset. And, and, uh, and so I started this tech business thinking I knew everything there was to know about business. Cause I just built and sold a 150 employee company. I thought, well, this should, this should be easy. Cause, cause it's tech. <laughs> and, and I, boy, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, the first thing uh, I had the idea, right. Uh, you know, I, I was basically solving my own problem. I saw the idea manifest itself every day running my landscaping company. So at least I was onto an idea where, uh, I was, I was solving a problem that people needed to, to have solved. But what I didn't understand the, ch- the main challenge was that it's, there's a big difference between running a business, starting a company, uh, running a small business versus inventing a brand new product from scratch that does not yet exist in the world. And I think a lot of times people forget that. And especially if you're, if you're in the tech, if you're, if you're in tech, if you're, if you're wanting to start a tech startup, most of the time you're inventing a new product, a new experience, a new way of doing things from scratch that doesn't exist. So people don't know about it. People don't know to use your product. People don't know how to use your product. Um, and, and so that's a lot harder than your traditional brick and mortar service-based business, which are hard enough by themselves. Um, the, the main thing I didn't, that's the main thing I, I didn't understand. Nobody, nobody told me about that. So, um, you know, going through the challenges of getting our first 10 customers and, 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 and get, that was hard, you know, it took like a year to get 20 customers and then, wow. and then get, and then turning that into a hundred and then turning that into a thousand and then 10,000 and so on. These were, these were challenging milestones, but I kind of just took it as a video game almost just worked one level at a time and didn't worry about anything else until getting to the next milestone. And, and that's how we kind of tackled it. Mm. So what did you do to get those first 10 customers you talked about? Ooh, yeah, that was, that, <laughs> that was a tough level. That was level one. And, and so, uh, we, here we are, we spent nine months building the first version of what we thought green pal should be. Uh, mm. and, and we, and we made every mistake you could make because we built it off of, uh, our assumptions for what we thought Ooh. the customer wanted and, and guesses and, and these things never turn out well. And so we built it and it was a total, total failure. It was just dead on arrival. It didn't have the features it needed. It was clunky. It was buggy, but we knew we needed to get 10 or 20 or 30 people to use it. So then we could study their, their, their use of it and, and try to learn from the, the user behavior and try to learn from what they expected it to do and what they, mm-hmm. what customers wished it would do and where we were letting them down and so on. And, and so we, we had no user acquisition strategy. It was kind of like, if you build it, they will not come. And, and that's, <laughs> that's, it was, it was like a goose egg. And so we started off with friends and family, begged, begged friends and family to use it. That was like successful half the time. Um, and then the other, ha- the other like 10 or 20 customers we got by literally passing out flyers. We passed, we, mm. we got, we went to vistaprint.com, shout out vistaprint.com and got, a, and got two or 300,000 uh, door hangers made up. And we went all yeah. over Na- Nashville, Tennessee and just ground and pound and passed out flyers. Whenever, whenever somebody was at the door, we would talk to them and say, Hey, listen, you know, not selling you anything, but we just, we were a startup here in Nashville, Tennessee. We just built this app. We're trying to figure out how to get it to work. If it's something you would like to try, here you go, try it out. So literally just hand to hand combat, 
try to get one customer at a time until we, we ended up getting about, about 50 customers that way. And, and the important thing was not that like we were lighting it on fire with sales or making a bunch of money. We just needed people to use it. So then we could like talk to them at your, at their kitchen table, at, at the Starbucks, at the Dunkin' Donuts and, and ask them, you know, what, what do you wish it would do? What did it, where did it let you down? Where were you confused? Um, you know, like literally over the shoulder, watch them use it. So you mm. use ability tests. And that's how we, we learned the things we had to learn to get to the next level of the game, which was, which was a thousand people using it, uh, every week. And that took like three years <laughs> to get from wow. 50 to, to 50 or a hundred to a thousand. It was a hard road. <laughs> that's the challenge of, of building a marketplace. And, and, uh, there's a g- great book about this called the cold start problem by Andrew Chen. Mm. He talked, he talks about this exact same thing, the cold start of going from like zero to one, getting your first, you know, dozen, 50, hundred customers is, is, is one of the hardest levels of the game. Mm-hmm. Three years to get the first, um, but if you look back now, um, looking at the look looking at building from your own assumptions rather than looking at what the users would actually want and everything. If you, if you could look back, what would you do differently? So you don't have to wait for three years to get to, to get the traction you had. It's, it's weird because, you know, if, if like uh doc from uh, back to the future rolled up in the DeLorean and said, jump in, we're going back 10 years and you got, <laughs> you got to do this all over again. You know, what would I do differently? it's it's weird i would raise money and i would go a lot quicker i would i would mm. build up a team and i because i know every single move to make I, like i've i've done it i made the mistakes um so so that's a weird thing so the the honest answer is i would i would raise money and build out a team really quickly and execute what i already know very quickly that mm. being said um you know with all of the knowledge I had 10 years ago and the experience, you know, even though I had built and sold a business already, this was still very much my first business because it was a tech business, which is totally different. It's a totally different ball game. And, and so if you had given me a million or 5 million or even $10 million, I would have pissed it all away. And because I would have spent it on the wrong things, I just probably would have gave it right back to Facebook or Google <laughs> on, on bad user acquisition. And it, the important thing is it would have uh, prevented me from doing the hard work, which mm. is those long, long nights, you know, hitting up customers that don't care about your product, begging them to use it again, you know, driving 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes to meet them at their kitchen ca- uh, table to talk to them about the product and give them a free mowing to, uh, for doing it, meeting them at the Starbucks to watch them use it. Um, it would have, I wouldn't have done any of that. PS and and uh and so those were where the key insights came from those were where the 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 key learnings came from um so so in a weird way raising money would have prevented my our success and so and so that that's a weird question um so that being said what would i you know with the knowledge i had then what should i have done differently um i probably could have delegated a little quicker mm. after I got the Pareto principle kind of figured out. Like the Pareto principle is that 80-20, you know, they say that 80% of the knowledge comes from 20% of the of the acumen. And so after I figured out the 
percent. I should have like formed up a team around that one little thing and then moved on. But I did a lot of it and my co-founders and I did a lot of it ourselves for too long. So, so that, that's probably something I would do differently. However, a lot of times people try to delegate too soon. They, they delegate before they get to that 80, 20 tipping point, And they delegate from a standpoint of, of, uh, abjuration, which is like, I don't know how to do this. You handle it. And that always, you know, every time I've ever tried to, to, to do something that way, it always blew up in my face. So it's a weird thing. And, you know, you can't delegate too soon. You can't delegate too late. I think the mistake I made was I delegated too late, uh, uh, you know, in those early years. That's what, what's why it took so long. Mm, yeah, you just mentioned the Pareto principle. So let's talk about that in relation with um, marketing. So for early stage startups, early stage businesses, Looking at the marketing landscape these days, what one or two marketing channels would you say they should focus on first and why? Yeah. So when you when you're starting a new product, you you've got product market fit, which is, you know, am I building something that people want? Are they paying? Will they do they want to pay for it? And and is there any kind of pull from the market for it? You don't what 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 kills a lot of startups is they're building a problem a product in search of a problem. And, Ooh. and, uh, and a lot of times, you know, you're either in the business of selling vitamins or you're in the business of selling painkillers. And I think if you're in the business of selling painkillers, you, you're going to have a little bit of an easier ride. I think, uh, this is, at least that's been my experience. And so, so first off, let's get that right. Let's get product market fit because you can't sprinkle good marketing on a bad product. And, and so that's the first thing. And, and so, so at a small level, do we have 20 customers that are telling us that that they like using it and that they want to keep using it until we can solve for that? There's no reason to to try to bust open a channel. Um, and so that's I think that's a, a lot of thing that a lot of founders skip over. So once you get product market fit, and it's you know how do you know it? You, you know it when you see it. <laughs> it's it's hard to define. Uh, then you got to focus on product channel fit. So what not this product what is the best channel for it and 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 the only way to know is to really experiment with all of them and and so some of it some of them made us be some some products made us be inherently viral and the best channel for them is 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 the is the loop of use uh within the product and a great example would be like loom.com or or zapier.com like these are great tools that just through the use of them, they spread, and that's why they grew mm. so quickly. There was no reason for Loom.com, the team at Loom, uh, which is which is a which is a tool for sharing asynchronous video for training and, and things like that. There was no reason for Loom to to go bust open uh, TikTok ads or or try to figure out Pinterest marketing or try to figure out Facebook ads because they had a a really good inherent kind of channel within the product for for sharing it. So so. So you have to figure out what the best channel fit for your product is. You know, if you're selling a fashion brand, you know, maybe, maybe it's something more visual like TikTok or Pinterest or, 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 or reels. If, if you're in like a home services space like me, um, and, you know, or Google organic search is a great channel because one thing we learned from our early customers, we would always ask them, um, how do you normally find a lawn mowing service? That was one of the things we would always ask at, at the coffee shop or at the kitchen counter in those early days, because we wanted to know 
where we can, you know, meet them, meet them where they're at when they have this problem, where can we be in their day-to-day life? And so when they have this problem, they can discover us. And, and the thing we always heard was like, well, after I ask friends and family for a recommendation and call those guys and they don't show up. Um, and then after I, you know, go to, uh, you know, Craigslist and call and, and get stood up there, I will just Google it out of, out of desperation for a lawn care service nearby me. And, and, and so we're, that's like, that's where we need to be. We, when you're desperate, that's where we come in. That's where we shine. And so we, uh, and so we just, we, we, we literally just started to peel the layers of the onion off of, okay, so what does it mean to compete in Google organic search? And what, what, what is that going to take? Shouldn't be too hard. And, and so what we learned there was like, was like, damn, everything we just did around building the product, discovering the solution to the problems, designing the product, uh, you know, coding millions of lines of code. That was the easy part. <laughs> the hard part is now marketing and distributing, you know, distribution for this damn thing is going to be a lot harder than just building it. And, it, and, 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 and so like we had to like pour our souls into, into SEO and, and carpeting the internet with, with our content and, and making sure our property was congruent with what Google is, is wanting. And that was a long road. That was another two or three years, but we'd started really small, you know, ranking for, for keywords, for smaller towns and cities, for the services that, that our platform offered. And we just built a little foundation there and just started building it from, from there up and up. And now, you know, we're, we're one of like the top two or three marketers of, of landscaping services in, in the country or maybe the world. Um, and it took, it took a while, it took five or 10 years, but, but, but now we got a little flywheel going. Mm, nice. I see you do a lot of customer research in making um, those decisions in marketing and co from the things you've said. <clears throat> so, and, and I also like one thing you said, you said um, a lot of times you're building a product in search of a problem. And it reminds me of something I heard this morning on a podcast that a lot of us build supply without any demand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially in two, especially in two-sided marketplaces like like what GreenPal is. Yeah, it's it's difficult because there's a nuance there. You know, you you have to solve for both sides of the transaction at the same time, and and yeah, to your point, you can build up tons of supply, and uh, but there's no there's nobody wanting to interact with that supply. There's nobody wanting to hire them off the shelf. And a, a crude example of this is is like a nightclub. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, the, the, the nightclub business, you know, it, it, we've all been, I don't know if you've ever been to nightclub where it's just a bunch of dudes, you know, and, and like the dudes are the easier uh, part of the, of the marketplace uh, side of the marketplace <laughs> to get to the club. Uh, and True. so the harder, the harder is, is, is the female side. And so in, in our world, in my little world, uh, the supply side is the, is the, is the, is the dudes and the, and the demand side are, is the consumers, the women. And so it's it's like dating apps are like this too. They're 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 they're, they're disproportionate. There's there's ten times the number of men as there are women on, on any given dating app. And so, but a lot of marketplace dynamics uh, shake out this way. And to, so, to your your original point, like you built up a ton of supply, you built up a dating <laughs> app with a bunch of straight men, uh, a heterosexual men, and yeah. and there's no women. That, that that's not a business. <laughs> and and. And it's so funny, the, the, the Andrew Chan's book, The Cold Start Problem, talks about 
tender and how they got over that and how they they put in the the the, the product mechanics to to try to solve that problem because it exists. And uh, so, yeah, if you build up a bunch of supply with no demand, you know, you've, you've wasted everybody's time. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. So you talked yeah. about printing on um, Vista Print, handing out flyers, things like that. Where, because these days, a lot of people, when they talk about marketing, they don't go back to those basic things, flyers and all that. See, everybody wants to do online ads and um, things like that. So... Well, how effective are those um, strategies now? Yeah, you know, I'm not advocating that people intentionally try to do things inefficiently and intentionally do crappy work like handing out flyers. But I think a lot of new founders want to skip over any hard work. work. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A- a- any crappy work. They want to skip over. They want to fly over that part. And 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 land into like the super scaled, you know, robust uh, campaign that's touching thousands of people. And the, the fact of the matter is, you can't. So, <clears throat> for us, you know, passing out flyers at that stage of the game was what we had to do to jumpstart something. Uh, if we had gone straight to a Google campaign, first off, uh, to rank in Google search takes six months to a year. So we, we couldn't wait that long. We needed customers to use this crappy app that we had built, uh, you know, with we, at Greek, because GreenPal was crappy back then. Uh, we needed them to use it tomorrow. And so the, the quickest way from like, I have no customers to, I need 20 customers at that point was to go pass out flyers. Um, you know, maybe if you've got like a, like a, somebody that's already super experienced with, with a channel, and, and you know, with Facebook or, or or with Google AdWords or something like that, you know, maybe leverage that. But we didn't have the time that it took to ramp up to learn that channel because it takes you two, three, four, five, six months, maybe a year to get good at running a, a Google AdWords campaign, to get good at yeah. running a, a Facebook campaign. We couldn't wait that long. We needed go- we needed user feedback like Monday, and and the 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 quickest thing we could do was to was to literally like get in the car and pass out some door hangers and you know eat a eat a kind bar and and and, and get rolling and and so I, I don't I don't like I don't advocate that you as a new founder you go search out those things that that are just crappy to do just because you you want to wear it as a badge of honor N- no but you do need to like do that that work that sucks um and and the, do the ground and pound for a while until you figure out what the hell it is you're doing because you don't know there's no way to scale what you don't know and so you, so that's you're looking for those insights and you know it's it's those conversations that i had with with you know somebody on their front doorstep cuz cuz when i was passing out the flyers if somebody was there sometimes people would come out and, and like tell me what the hell what where are, what are you doing on my property get out of here and and, <laughs> and, I, and i'll say hey listen uh, no i'm not trying to sell you anything i promise uh, i'm not, i'm a startup founder here in town and i'm building this app and would you use something like this? Most of the time they would tell me to 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 piss off, but they say, you know, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, because I I I've called five lawn guys in the last month and they all stand me up and and I would use something like that. And you know, that sounds pretty cool. And so and so those those interactions with actual customers, people, you know, gave me insights. And so mm. it's a weird thing. I don't I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, go pass out flyers, it's great. I'm I'm saying do the hard work is what I'm saying. 
Mm, true. All right. So let's leave players now. So when you look at the marketing tactics you've um, used over the years, what creative marketing tactics have you leveraged that have provided the biggest, um, you know, the Pareto thing, little effort and a lot of results? Yeah. Every time I try to like, so first off, I, I think that every founder, every new business, every new startup it, it needs to be like really good at one champ. I I, and I, th- I think that if you're going to have takeoff, you're going to be really good at one channel and you're going to throw all of the team's effort because if you're good at one channel, it's not the marketing department. It's not the marketing person. It's not the marketing guy or gal. It's not like your like part-time marketing efforts. It's like the whole team, everything mm-hmm. is oriented around winning at that channel. And so for us, like to compete in Google organic search, you know, we have to have content writers write great content about lawn care services. We have to have developers be able to to package that up and and put it on a landing page and make it load fast. And we have to have people that know SEO, that know how to make all these things link together and 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 put them in an order in which that Google likes. We have to have product people that that have to understand, okay, well, if somebody comes to that landing page, this is what they're looking for. This is how they convert. We have to have visual designers make it all beautiful and pretty because as a human being, you know if something's legit or not in about a half second based on this visual design. Um, we, we, you know, we have to have product managers pull it all together. Me as a CEO, make it important and orient the team in that direction. Uh, so it's like everybody, like literally it's everybody in the company is, is, is oriented around in one way, shape or form. How do we win at SEO? I think it would be the same if we were trying to like dominate, you know, Instagram reels or Facebook paid ads or Google paid ads or, or TV or print or radio or whatever, like. I think it's like a full contact sport for the entire team. So my point is, is, is like every time I've disobeyed that and tried to be good at another channel, it's like always robbed from the main channel uh, because well, we're, we're doing, we're, we're like somewhere in the messy middle of, of company building. You know, we're not a startup anymore. We're, we're doing yeah. eight figures in revenue, but we're not like, we're not an Uber or an Airbnb or an Instacart or a DoorDash, or, you know, we're certainly not in the, in that league. So we're somewhere in the middle. And so we still have to like focus on what we're the best in the world at and double down on that. And every time uh, we try to like deviate from that and do something else, it always comes at the expense at the main thing. So I think, I think uh like keep you know double down on what's already working, figure out how to how to be best at that channel, how to how to win at that channel and not like try to be good at three things because you're not. You're just not. You're not, you know, you know, you look at the big guys and say, well, you know, look at Airbnb. They've got they got TV and print and they've they're really good at SEO. They do paid ads, they do Instagram ads. I think I saw an ad for them on my Twitter. Uh, uh, feed and my Instagram feed. Um, they've got a referral engine. They've got all. Well, dude, that's that's a that's now a publicly traded sixty, I think, eighty billion dollar company. That ain't you. You know, you're three guys in a garage. You need to like be really good at one thing. So always remind yourself that to to, to double down on what's working and just be the best in market at that one channel and and not worry about anything else. Mm, I love that a lot. Because I think you you really have gotten the 
this thing of focusing on just one thing on the on the thing you're best of and forgetting the rest so talking about focus too when you look at your marketing and core efforts what metrics or kpis you recommend the business owner should track closely to optimize their efforts and make sure they are doing the right thing yeah for me i've always been an advocate of of okay let's focus on First, let's build from the from the bottom up with any of, of, of these metrics in, in the in the funnel. So let's always look at let's look at retention first. Because if we can't, if 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 we have a leaky bucket at the bottom of the bucket and and we can't keep these people that that we're bringing in, then what is the point of any of this? It's like it'll be like pouring gas on wet leaves and trying to get a fire going. It 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 won't work. And so that's that's the first place we'll always start is is what are customers saying? Let's call up the last 10 customers who don't use the product anymore and let's ask them why they don't. And 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 or let's email them if they won't answer the phone anymore. And 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 uh let's start there. So let's fix that. Let's fix everything with why we're pissing people off. Why and and we're not gonna make everybody happy, but like the like if there's 10 reasons. If there's a hundred reasons why people don't use us, let's let's fix the things that occur the most, and then and then we have a nice solid foundation to then start building up, and then build up from there. It's like okay, well, uh, the people that come in and and they and we give them pricing, why aren't they converting? Well, let's let's call up ten or twelve of those, and let's do some experiments around those, and and let's figure out why they're not converting, and and why aren't they activating, and and what we're doing. Maybe we're not we're not we're not uh, we're not communicating uh, clear enough. You know, clarity is the tr- is it trumps persuasion. Uh, clarity is 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 the cl- is the best way to move the needle on on any kind of marketing effort. And and a lot of times as a as a as a founder, there's this weird gap that occurs between founder logic and customer logic, and you're both looking at the same problem from two different kind of paradigms. And so you're no longer being clear. With your copy, and you're no longer being clear with with how you present your offer, and and so the only way to fix that is is to again talk to customers. So let's 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 fix our our clarity issues uh, with our copy and our presentation and our UI. Um, so let's let's build up from there, and then and then once we have like really we feel like we feel like we've exhausted everything we can do on retention and and activation. Let's move up the funnel and let's let's talk about acquisition. Okay, how can we get more people to the front door? Because we've already fixed all of these other things, and and we feel really good about that. We really feel like we have the best product in the market, and and we we really feel like like people should do business with us versus anybody else. Now let's look at the acquisition. Let's get this thing in the hands of more people to try it. And and uh, yes, this is a weird like old school thing, but like a lot of times value proposition and, and, and what the hell it is you're selling and why it matters is, is the biggest thing you can do. in at the acquisition step, you know, value proposition is if I'm your ideal prospect, uh, meaning I'm your ideal customer, it's like, you can't, you can't be all things to all people. Uh, and you're not going to sell like a product that's going to like satisfy hundred percent of people, but there's the, your ideal prospect. I'm your ideal prospect. So if I'm your ideal prospect, why, Am I going to do business with you versus anybody else? And the answer to that question always starts with because. Because uh, this is the quickest, fastest, cheapest way to get this done, even if X, Y, and Z. Like, like what is that value proposition? And really study that and spend a month on it. 
Because if you can get that right, that'll make the acquisition step easier because you're not converting 99% of the people that come to your, your landing page anyway. So really like tune that, that value proposition and, and, and communicating it clearly um, is, is, is the biggest like lever you can pull in any business at that step of the game. Hmm. All right. So earlier you talked about one of the mistakes you made, um, delegating too late. So for a younger business owner, how, when should they know that they're ready to delegate? Yeah. If, if you, so you lay out what you're doing in a week and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's weird because we, as, as founders, we get dominated by the things that are urgent, but not important. And so it's like all like, it's just stacks of this stuff and it's stuff that's urgent, but not important. The stuff that's important, but not urgent might be calling up 10 customers could be studying, uh, you know, doing some usability tests, studying what, what the, what the product design is looking like today, you know, signing up for the product yourself and like really trying to figure out, uh, what, where you're confusing people. It could be like the strategic landscape. It could be, uh, you know, what the next two or three steps of the game are in terms of like what channel you're, you're trying to dominate in that stuff. That's, that's, that's important, but it's not urgent. And so you never do it. You, you never do it. You're, you're always stuck in this, uh, this, this step of the game of like urgent, but not important. And so it's like, it's customer support. It's, it's, it's emails. It's like getting stuff shipped out. It's, it's uh it's 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 getting developers lined up on what they're working on it's all of these things just making the trains run on time and if and if you start seeing like oh man like 20 30% of my time is 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 dominated by this one like repetitive thing then it's then it's time to to make a really clean standard operating procedure about what that is and then getting somebody who can just focus just on that and 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 these these days, you can hire somebody fractionally. You may not be ready for a full-time employee. Maybe you're only doing 100K a year in sales or something, and you can't bring on somebody full-time. But you can bring on somebody uh, fractionally, and it could be a fractional CFO, a fractional fractional marketing person. It could be a, uh, just a VA to help you with repetitive tasks. The point is, is, is you got to do the really hard work of making the system that they can follow to get it done how you want it done. And that's a lot harder than you think. And it's a lot harder than just doing it yourself for a little while. And that's why a lot of people don't do it and they don't do it well, because at the end of the day, it is harder to build the system that moves rocks than just moving the rocks yourself. And, and so just being honest with yourself about that and saying, okay, I'm going to come in on a Saturday or Sunday and I'm literally going to step-by-step like McDonald's eyes, this step piece of my business that anybody can do it. Like the beautiful thing about McDonald's, and I think it might have even been like a mantra of Ray Kroc. It's like he said, he said, uh, you know, my business produces great results with mediocre people. And <laughs> that was the beautiful thing about McDonald's. The system was so good that you could, you could just put in average people with extremely high turnover. And still, whether it's it's in any corner of the world, produce a hamburger that's that's pretty decent uh, and consistent, 
And like he, they were doing that in 1960. And I mean, that's incredible. Uh, so like McDonald's is here, you're here. You got to like close the gap between you and a McDonald's type of system. You got to take a step towards that. And it's really hard. It's hard creating systems and processes. And you're always going to be tuning them. You're always going to be making, making them better and better and better. It's not a static thing, um, but get started. Um, and then you'll learn, you'll learn, you'll, you'll learn what works. You'll learn how to hire for, you know, what you're looking for in terms of who to hire for, for these positions and, and start small and start and set the bar really low. And, and one, one cool thing about like delegating today is that you can delegate to pretty much anybody in the world for pretty much anything uh, in the digitally and chat GPT is closing uh, the, the gap between a worker in the Philippines, Bangladesh, India, you know, wherever, and, and a worker in, in, in Austin, Texas, or, or, or in, in Spain or something like chat GPT is leveling the play playing field for the pool of people in which you could hire for, for a type of task, not everything, but a lot of, a lot of repetitive stuff you're probably doing. That's eating up your time. That's causing you to get stuck in the, in the things that are that are urgent, but not important. So you can then move into the, into the box, the quadrant of things that are important, but not urgent. Urgent, Yeah. You know, when you mentioned um, planning on Sundays, I smell because that's actually what I do on Sundays. I work um, all week, normal work. Then on Sundays, I actually try to plan out my week, plan out the months and all that. And I found out it works really well because then you're not doing it because I, I, I figured out that when, you're working you really don't have time or you don't you can't really well you are built to do one thing at a time so you end up not having that capacity to strategize or do anything else right. just producing 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 so that's why i had to set one day apart and, and, and i smiled seeing that um it's not a this thing it's a common thing at the end of the day so when you talk about um, systems and processes a lot of people get scared it's the sound intimidating like you said they're hard like you said so so what's a non-threatening way a business owner can get started implementing these systems and processes in their business yeah uh, start small and set and set the 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 uh barrier to success you know the, the bar of success low uh, a lot of times it's just getting some momentum going in the right direction and 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 mm. there's a there's a great quote that I like by Paul Graham. And he says, he says in a startup and in a, in a small business, you got to remind yourself action produces information. And that's really all you're after. And so I like that quote because action, it, it's three, this is like three words, action produces information. And that's all you care about. And so the, the action is I'm going to try to hire somebody to help me with customer support, or I'm going to try to hire somebody to help me with with uh, content creation or try to hire somebody to help me with link building or whatever. And, and so I'm going to take my, my best crack at it. I'm going to, I'm going to create like the, this is the 10 things I need you to do. And I'm going to hire somebody to do it. And then, and then what's going to happen is that's going to produce information. It's like the person's going to do it and it's mm. not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. Okay. All right. Well, let's start it all over again. Okay. Now, okay. I got that wrong because of this. All right. So now I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this and I'm going to do it again. All right. And then you just keep doing that over and over and over again. until you get, now you've got somebody who's handling 
all of the of the PR outreach for your business, for example, like every business should be doing as much PR as they can. So, so like let's say you want to hire a VA is going to help you for ten hours a week find journalists who are going to write about your business and and you've been doing it on Saturday mornings, but now you've created a step by step process. Um, so, so just set the bar low for information. I just want to figure out. I'm looking at this as an experiment. I just want to figure out what works, what doesn't, and just run that loop over and over and over again. You're not going to get it right the first time out of the <laughs> the first time, for sure. You're going to do it wrong about 20 times, and then you're <laughs> going to finally get somebody good who's going to, who's going to be able to follow. And the, problem, and the thing is, the 19 people you hired, it's not like they're not good. It's probably that your process sucked, and they didn't, they didn't really understand it. You weren't clear at, uh, about a lot of things, and... And, uh, and, they, and that's why it didn't work. And so, and so if you can just keep running the process over and over again, there's some really good books about this. Uh, the, the, the checklist manifesto is a, is a really good book. Um, and, and that book just, you know, why don't planes crash all the time, you know, and it's, and it's because now they, the damn pilot, no matter how many hours he's logged is working a checklist and, 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 uh, you know, surgeons still, you know, run, run a checklist. So they don't sew up a, uh, scalpel inside your body, you know, like, and, and, and it's still to this day, the world runs on checklists. And so your business should too. And, and so that's a good book uh, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. That's really all that book is about is delegation. And in the sense of, of, of creating a standard operating procedures for people to run. And, and it's not like you're gonna, you're going to be able to delegate everything in your business in six months. No, you just need to pick one simple thing that's eating up a lot of your time. And now in 2023, you can fractionally offload these things so people can help you and, and, and free up the things so you can focus on the high leverage activities and not get bogged down by, by the low leverage activities. Um, uh, Naval Ramikot uh, said that, that it's, it's like, leverage is the thing we're all after like like leverage is the most important thing it's 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 not it's not like talent or skill or money or you know it's leverage and if you can can create that leverage by by delegating to people who can focus on tasks and do them better than you can um then you can create the leverage to to to, to do high leverage things and and if, and it's hard that's the thing you know everybody's said a million times what i've just said but what they won't tell you is, and I'm going to tell you, is that it is hard. <laughs> it's, you're going to get it wrong a lot of times, and it's a lot harder to, to, to create the system for somebody else to do versus you just doing it yourself. And so that's why a lot of times people just go back and just do it themselves. It's exactly. uh, just know it's hard and know it's going to take time, but don't give up on it. True. You've mentioned, you've given a lot of book recommendations, Checklist Manifesto, The Cold Start Problem, The 4-Hour Work Week. So do you set time aside to read? How do you learn? Because I know learning is very important in our growth at the end of the day. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, I hate reading. Uh, uh, I, I'm like the first book I ever read was when I was like 30 years old when I was when I was starting this company. So that's one of the cool things about starting a business is, is that it's going to it's going to force you to level up. It's going to force you to be better. It's going to force you to, to do things you never would have done in a million years. You, I would never go to this conference and hang out <laughs> with these people. Uh, but the business is forcing, like, like I, I went to an SEO conference, uh, 
you know, a few months ago and learned so much and met so many cool people and, and got a, got a great freelancer to help me with some things. But I mean, it was just a bunch of dorks and nerds. I mean, I never would hang out with these people, you know, <laughs> but, but the business is, is forcing me to do the things that, that I would never in a million years do so I can level up and, and evolve and, and become a better founder and a better person. True. And part of that is reading. And, and, you know, like I told you, I never read a book until I was 30. And, and, and so now I'm 43. And so in that 13 year <laughs> period of time, I don't know, man, I've, I've read several hundred and, 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 and it, because the business is forcing me to, it's like, you better learn these things or else you're never going to make it. And, True. and so that's one of the cool things about it. And, and I think every founder you're, you're doing three things at once. You're working in the business. You're making sure the damn thing runs and, and making sure customers are getting served. You're working on the business. You're trying to build systems and processes. And then the third thing uh, is you're working on yourself and you have to learn, you have to invest in yourself. You got to level up because the business is going to reach a choke point of your skills and your acumen. And if you don't level that up, like uh, you know, forecasting like six months, a year, two years ahead of your business, it's going to reach that choke point where the business is now stalled because you, as the founder, are inadequate. You haven't you haven't read the books, you haven't watched the stuff on YouTube, you haven't listened to the podcast, and and uh, and that's how I experienced it. And and a lot of times, what I'm reading and learning is like block and tackling for whatever sets of challenges I'm facing in the business at that given time. Like in the early days, I, I stumbled upon the, the, the lesson that great copywriting is, is a huge fulcrum in any business. Like words on the screen matter, words in the email matter, words, words in your customer support matter. And so like yeah. for six months, I read every book I could read on copywriting. I took every online course I could read on copywriting. And, and if I, you know, I, I, I became like a D student at copywriting, which is better than an F. And, and so I knew just enough about copywriting to like write some pretty good copy and then, and then understand what a good copywriter versus a bad copywriter mm. looks like. Um, so I could hire the right one. And so, and so I think as the founder, you, you're always going to have to invest in yourself. You're always going to have to be learning and evolving and growing because the minute you stop is the minute you're going to, your business is going to stall out. Hmm. That's, that's really true. And, and your answer just explains why you've kept growing. So, because they say the moment you stop to learn, you don't stop, you don't stay at a point, no, but you start going back. That's right. That's exactly, exactly right. And, and, and yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like it, George Patton said, if you're not taking ground, you're losing ground. And, <laughs> and that's, that's how business and life is. And, and, you know, if you're just going to go work a normal job somewhere, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter, but, but business is cutthroat, man. And, and the minute you're not, the minute you stop growing, you start, you start uh, decaying. And uh, I, I, somebody told me once that like, as a founder, you mentioned earlier Sundays, it, man, it really is seven days a week for a very long time. <laughs> And, and your, you know, your living room should be a classroom. Your car should be a mobile classroom. You know, somebody might come up to you and say, Hey, have you seen this new series on Netflix? You don't know. You don't know what the hell they're talking about because <laughs> you're, you're watching a bunch of stuff on YouTube university. I watched a whole conference the other day on, on YouTube that cost like 10 grand to go to, uh, for free. It's amazing. <laughs> 
like the, I watched all the keynotes. I watched all the presentations. I watched this dude give a talk, uh, who was a, who was a, uh, marketer at Uber. He deployed like $3 billion in capital for, to, to help Uber gain market share. Uh, and he gave a whole talk about how he did it. And the, and the video had 11 views. Uh, so what a crazy, what a crazy <laughs> time to be alive where you can learn these types of things for free uh anytime anywhere i mean dude when i was building my first business that you know we had cassette tapes that you had to buy for a thousand bucks (laughs) it's so much in many ways it's so much easier than it's ever been honestly we mentioned this um seven days a week thing I can really relate because I always tell people, oh, people say, oh, they're they at work, they have their nine to five, they're working so hard and they want to start a business because they want to get more time for family and all that. And I say, if you want more time, you're making the biggest mistake because starting your own business, you'll be doing the job of three or four people at the stats. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's like people are like, man, I want to I want to like do what you do. And I want to like I hate my job. and I, I work so hard for so, such little money. And like, I want to do what you do. And and it's and I, and I, and I have to tell my look, if you go this route, you're going to be working twice as hard for half the money for about five to 10 years. So let that be known that 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 there's this there's this ramp up period. And the thing is, a lot of people don't make it over onto the other side because they they, they they apply their job mindset to a business and the job mindset is just be busy, look busy, act busy. Uh, yeah. And they apply that to their business and, and this, they get stuck in this kind of fake work paradigm where, where, you know, you, you know, activity is not success. And, and so you're not, you know, just cause you are working hard and you're doing the startup thing and, you're working six, seven days a week or whatever. And, and you, you're, you're not still not making progress and, and they waste five years of their life. I've seen, I've seen a lot of that. It's not guaranteed that you're going to build a successful business just because you work really hard. You know, you, you have to work smart along the way too. True. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned um, chat GPT. So what are your thoughts on AI and business? You know, it's, it's a, it's a, causes me anxiety at times because it's just incredible <laughs> to imagine what what's going to happen in the next you know two or three or four years i i really think it's it's 1992 all over again and you know uh in 1992 or three it wasn't really clear uh what the internet was and what it was going to do it was neat and it was cool. You know, you could get onto a website and see stuff and for the first time and, um, but it wasn't clear what, what how it was going to change everything. And it took about 10 years. Um, I think we're in that same moment with AI and it's not real. It's neat. You can, you got this box that'll tell you anything, um, but it's not real clear how it's going to change everything. And, and I don't think it's going to take 10 years this time. I think it's going to take, you know, two, three, four, or five at the most. Mm-hmm. And so what do I see happening? I see a lot of uh, surplus elites is, is what I would call them. Uh, people that, that are working white collar jobs that don't have any kind of specific uh, skill that are doing a lot of repetitive things. I, th- I see a lot of that going away. Um, I see a lot of reversion back to real uh 
real stuff. Like hmm. for an example, I've, I know a girl who's a friend of mine who, who quit her job as an HR exec. She went to school, got, she, she's got a bunch of student loan debt, went to school, got a job in HR, um, was making like 50 K or 60 K. She now cleans houses, um, for Airbnb owners and has got like a, it's carved out a niche to like turn around Airbnbs over really quick and does some little extra things around that kind of what that need is in the market makes 150 yeah. grand a year. Wow. She makes, a, she makes three times <laughs> what she made a, a, at her job and has since paid off all her student loan debt. Uh, and, and you know, really she doesn't, she's not the cheapest in the market. She's carved out a niche for, for her client, but she did it smart. And within a year, and now she's got two or three employees and she clears 150K and, and could could build a business that, that'll do a million a year in revenue. And so I see I see a lot of reversion back to that kind of stuff, you know, um, plumbers, electricians, painters, home cleaners, lawn care guys like Green Pal. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm self-serving in my thinking and, and wishful, but I, I I see a lot of reversion to real real stuff and and a lot of this kind of uh unnecessary stuff getting abstracted away because the the ai can do it better or the person in bangladesh uh can do it better can literally do it better with an ai terminal than the person mm-hmm. sitting than the person sitting in in austin texas can uh that's happening that's going to happen and and be prepared. <laughs> be prepared in your career and in your startup. It's true. So um, you just talked about um, working remotely. So what are your thoughts on remote work? And does your team work um, remotely or in the office? Um, for me, yeah, I have mixed of feelings on it uh, because I started GreenPal and the, the way I got from no customers to 10,000 customers you know, now GreenPal's got 300,000 customers, but but the way I got from zero to 10,000 was locking myself and my two co-founders in a windowless office for six years. <laughs> and we did not leave until we figured it out, uh, only to like go, go to sleep and and to, to go eat. And like, we literally, I'm being a little uh, facetious, but but um, that's kind of how it was. And if you asked either of them, they'll be like, yeah, no, that's that sucked. And that's how it was. But we were together. We were in the trenches. We were figuring stuff out. We were on the whiteboards together. Um, then we got Green Pal going. And, you know, Green Pal is, is not like conquering the world or anything, but it's making money. And and we've got now a really good team. We've got 40-something people. And they're all over the world. So we're fully distributed. So now we're fully remote. And uh, everybody can work from anywhere. I, I do a lot of traveling. It's part of my personal lifestyle. And so now my my personal kind of desire is to be remote, to not have to sit in a commute. And it works for us now. I don't think it would have worked going from zero to one. I, I don't mm-hmm. see a time where we would have figured out the problems we would have figured out. It had we not been in a, in a windowless office together for, for six years. And so uh, I have mixed mixed thoughts on it. You know, why, why I saw this, I saw a meme the other day. Somebody took a picture of like this beautiful office building. It was like so tall and like had this blue glass and it was just like sun was beaming off it. And the upper right-hand corner was this beautifully like placed sign, Zoom. And it's like, <laughs> why does Zoom have offices? You such know? a big office. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, the person's like, I don't understand why Zoom, I don't understand why Zoom has offices. And and it's like, well, because Zoom made a magical product that just made like conferencing so easy. And guess what? They probably couldn't have built it over Zoom. They probably sure. couldn't have built it. And then, you know, ask yourself, do you think the iPhone could have been built over Zoom? Do you think, do you think SpaceX could have, you know, you know, built the built up their rockets over Zoom? I, I don't think so. So I think it depends on what level of the game you're playing, what what you're what what you know if you're in the NFL, you know, I, I think you're gonna have to be in person. If you're trying to just kind of like tinker around the edges you know maybe you can do it fully remote starting out maybe you start off in person and then you go fully remote later like 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 we have at green pal um and then, but there's examples that have of people who have built founders who have built really big successful companies i think zapier.com is an example they've gone they've been remote day one to, to where they are now so like everything it depends but i i do have mixed emotions on it and those are my thoughts on it <laughs> Nice. So what tech tools do you think for you make the biggest difference in running your business? So I, I, for me, when it comes to tools, I I think you can get bright, shiny object syndrome with tools and then you try to over toolify things. And it's like, <laughs> there's a new tool for everything every week. And then you try to like stop what you're doing and, and, and throw a new tool in there and it gets in the way I, I, I've been guilty of this. So for me, you know, the tools are great, but like for me, less is more. I try to keep it simple for if it's working, uh, don't fix it. But, but man, <laughs> I saw the other day that, that, uh, the nukes in Russia, uh, literally run on a system off of not a, not a five inch floppy disk, but the 10 inch floppy disk. So before wow. the five, <laughs> so you, you had the three and a half plastic disk, mm-hmm. but then before that in the eighties, you had a, you had a five inch that was like revolutionary, but then for a while there was like a 10 inch, the size almost of a record. And you would put this thing in. So a lot of the nuclear silos in Russia still run off of a, you put this big disc in there to get them to activate. And, and there's concerns that this stuff could be antiquated. Uh, but you know, it works and they haven't had an accident. You know, they haven't fired off a nuke, uh, you know, thank God in, 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 you know, 70 years. And so, so it's just like that's the extreme, but the other extreme is like we all know this person who's trying to throw a new tool in because of something, and it's like, dude, like no, Google Sheets works. Uh, you know, I don't need I don't need another tool in the, in this workflow. Um, and I think with AI, you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of new tools coming out there, basically just AI wrappers. And it's like, why do I need this? I could just do this in ChatGPT, and and you know, why do I need this new tool to write text? when I could just literally do the same thing in ChatGPT for free. And so be wary of that. Um, for, for me, I keep it simple, man. I've got, uh, I use the hell out of Trello. Um, I use, I use the hell out of a product. I'm just looking at my tabs that are open right now. I use the hell out of a product <laughs> called, called hubstaff.com, uh, which is great for tracking, uh, people that work for me and, 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 uh, screen sharing and stuff. ChatGPT is open all the time. I've got about a half dozen SEO tools that I use, like Ahrefs and uh, uh, SEMrush. I use the hell out of Upwork. That's a great platform. Um, And and so, yeah, I think be wary of too much tools, but don't be the floppy disk. You know, it's it's somewhere in the middle, I think. (laughs) Yeah, so... um... 
what would you like to share with our our listeners? Our listeners are mostly business owners, and uh, we've had a good discussion so far. So, in case there's anything I've missed, what would you like to share with our listeners on how they can grow or scale for high impact for their business? I think that uh, you know we've talked a lot about this. That I, I think in the early days, intensity can be the strategy. It's just like I, I would rather have a mediocre plan. Uh, and this is a quote. I think another 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 George Patton quote is like I, I would rather have a mediocre battle plan executed vigorously mm. than the perfect plan you know, never executed or, or moderately executed. And and so it's like, we all know this, that execution is everything. And, and that's why that Paul Graham quote is so important that, that action produces information because the, 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 the important part of that quote is, is it, if you listen to it, it gives you a bias towards action. It reduces the bar for action and that's where everything happens. And so, and so intensity is the strategy Action produces information. If you can remind yourself of those two things and, and just vigorously go through this loop of figuring out what works and what doesn't. And at the center of that loop, a lot of times is your customer talking to your customers, figuring out what they're pissed off about and then fixing them, doing that over and over again for five years, you, you'll, you'll wind up somewhere with some level, with some level of success. I guarantee that. Um, it's just, it's really hard. It's not fun at a lot of times, but I promise it's worth it. All right. So how can listeners reach you in case they want to learn more about you or they want to work with you or they want to use GreenPal or anything else? Yeah. If you're in the uh, U.S., we're not outside of the U.S. yet, but we will be. We'll be in U.K. and Australia soon. But and you're in the United States, just go to GreenPal.com, sign up there. Uh, anybody wants to hit me up. Uh, hang out the most on Instagram, actually. So you can hit me up there, Brian M. Clayton, and uh, and I'll respond to you there. All right. So we'll um, link, out, link that in the show notes. So thank you for coming on the show today. And for the listeners, thank you for being with us so much so for so long. And I hope you've um, learned a lot of things because I've taken a lot of notes. So I hope you're taking a lot of notes too. If you haven't go back to the beginning and (laughs) listen through again. So thank you listeners for being on this episode of the Tech Your Business podcast until next week, when we are back with another episode, keep taking your business and bye for now.